right. Right. That we won't wrong. Really it's right that, yeah. that right. we won't. Right. Right. I'm wrong. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now All right. you understand econ economics. <laughs> and you have gotten a small amount of torture that our wives experience when we sit near each other at the dinner table. Right. Right. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's aspirational. Boys and girls would be listening. Welcome to the Personal Wealth Coach. This is Jake McClure, and on the line with me, I have... Jeff McClure. Together, yes, we, are, we are bald. Yes, and I said that very dramatically. Jeff McClure. Yes, they are radio voices. It's good. It, Yes, as if there are other voices to have when you're on the radio than a radio voice. Oh, there's this voice. That's also a radio voice now. You just it's radio a radio voice? voice? Yes. Okay. Right. So this is the personal wealth coach, and we do vocal tricks on command, I suppose, but we also, <laughs> we also at least purport to know something about finance and the economy and how to invest and stuff like that. Um, but before we get started on that, we have some disclosures. No, put your clothes back. Put your clothes back. That's not that kind of disclosure. Oh, come on. All right. Well, we probably ought to tell him. He's going to tell. He's going to tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the personal wealth coach, which is not just the name of this, radio program. It is the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm. What does that mean? Well, number one, the firm has got some principles in it that are sitting behind the microphones right now. Um, it's a different or it's a different setup. It's not like we're giving investment advice on the air. Uh, so what is that? How does that even work? What's going on here? I'm trying to reword our disclosures to keep them interesting as if they were ever interesting. But uh, just because the firm's registered with the SEC, that doesn't imply in any way that the SEC likes us. The SEC's job is not to like people or entities. There. And it doesn't imply that when we do educational programs such as this one, that we're giving investment advice because investment advice is personal, private, and tailored to your individual needs. And since you can't hear it individually and remain private well, on the, the radio or internet, that's then the thing. We ain't doing that. They can hear it individually. We just Privately. can't. We just can't tell them individually. Oh, so okay. that's like a. There's like a physics warp here in that we can tell it in a broadcast and you can hear it individually. So how's it's well, just very strange. I can give some investment advice. Buy low, sell high, don't get involved in a land war on the Asian continent. Very nice. Very nice. Well, All right. Buy a Good. stock and when it goes up, sell it. If it doesn't go up, don't buy it in the first place. Right. Well, I'm not sure that that's legal. People did that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, next one up on the list. So, you, so you've, we've talked about this is educational. We're hoping to give you the tools to make decisions rather than tell you what decision to make uh, on this program. Um, we're getting our info. I'm not going to take that one from you. I'm not going to reword it. You love that well, one too okay. much. You go yes, for it. Yes, I do. 
The information that we give on this informational educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. So what we've just said by, by saying that and said information is that we're not warranting or guaranteeing anything that we're saying ever. Well, that's not entirely true, but that's okay. But we deem it to be good. Yeah. But we don't we guarantee get, it. We get it from sources that we deem, we believe are reliable. Wall Street Journal, United States government, departments, stuff like that. Yeah. But it might not be complete. Matter of fact, one of the things about the information, for example, the Labor Department released a bunch of information this oh, week, and we're going to oh, talk about that. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Go ahead. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That information is not complete. The Labor Department will tell you this is the, when they come out and say, here's the unemployment rate, and here's or, the number of people that knew the number of jobs that we created, and all that good stuff. They when have GDP a, comes out, it's an estimate. Right. It's, it's for, and this is the first estimate, and it'll be changed at least three more times. So, We'll virtually guarantee it's wrong. But we but won't. It makes the headlines. But we won't warranty or guarantee that it's right. 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 That we won't. Wrong. Really, it's no, right that, no, that right. we won't. Right. Right. I'm wrong. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now right. you understand econ economics. <laughs> and you have gotten a small amount of torture that our wives experience when we sit near each other at the dinner table. Right. Right. Exactly. So what have we not disclosed? Uh, let's see. We've talked. Oh, yes. We, oh, don't, we don't pay we don't, for the radio program. We don't pay for this program. That is right. true. But uh, we're also not paid for it. We have been gloriously unpaid for this program, in my case, since 1998, and your case, since 1997. Um, Actually, I found a tape from 1996, so we go back to 1996. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, so every year they have agreed to double our pay, but starting at zero, it's... I'm waiting for compound interest to catch up and it's just not working. Do you realize since we were, since I was on the air in 1996, this is 25 years. Wow. Been doing this insanity for 25 years and people say, why do you do it? And I say, uh, how do uh, you stop? Is there I a way? Know. I mean, they don't let <laughs> don't us stop. stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing about having been on the radio for 25 years and now on the internet for however many years we've been on the internet if you go to our website, which is tpwc.com, and you go to past program, past radio programs or newsletters or whatever, you can see a lot of years what we said was happening and what we said was likely to happen in the near future. And you can check us out to see if we were right or wrong. Oh, wait. Are we supposed to tell people to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I, I, like think I think people should go back and check. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, uh, it's, I have, and it scares me. Yeah. So we're not, what we almost never do is, is make predictions that aren't reasonable. But sometimes when we make them, people think that sounds unreasonable. Mm. So go back and check. One last thing. If you would like to join with us on the radio program, or you'd like to have us talk about something or have a question or something, you're certainly welcome to give us an email, either at Jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com actually it'd be better if you did both of them that's, so we can both that's see like it. tango papa whiskey charlie or the personal wealth coach yes dot com so we what happened in the market this week you're already making references in the middle of disclosure so you must be 
raring to go and excited. Well, you know, if you followed the headlines every day, you would conclude that the stock market crashed horribly during the week. Oh, it was I a did, terrible week. I did follow. I mean, I saw multiple days where they said this is the biggest downward move since another day, not some far distance in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. So you'd think that the S&P 500 stock index, which is otherwise affectionately known as SPX, um, which we used to represent the stock market, would have taken a huge hit this week and the world was coming to an end or something to that effect. There was an element in the market that took a huge hit this week, and we'll get to that. So what actually happened is the S&P 500 declined 1.22% for the week, which is noise. It's within its normal fluctuations when nothing is happening. So the collective wisdom of the literally millions of investors who participate in the S&P 500 stock index for the week was that nothing much of any significance happened. The collective wisdom between two sides of clearly panicked and greedy that I'm going to sell and I'm going to buy folks are so evenly aligned that they caused a lot of bumps that averaged out to very little of anything. So basically we've been running along terrified of COVID, Omicron, and that sounds like a new Transformers movie, just as a side note. Yeah. And terrified that the, according to the headlines, people are terrified that the uh, Federal Reserve is going to not only cut off stimulus to the economy too fast, but going to raise interest rates suddenly and blow the economy out of the water and put us into a depression or something. And yet the market didn't do much of anything. Now, it's been down for two weeks, which I know coming out of this or in this amazingly huge bull market that we've been in for the last year or two, um, year and a half, actually. Coming down in two weeks, 3.42% sounds horrific to some people. But that's just normal noise movement around. It's it's only up 0.07% for the trailing three months, which has caused people to be very nervous, I think. I don't know why. But Wait a minute. Did you say... 0.37%? No, 0.07%. 0.07%. Oh, even smaller. Whoa. So basically flat for the flat. last, if you, if you, if three months ago you had looked at the S&P 500 and you're, in, and you were invested in the S&P 500, you're, let's say you were in an index fund with very little expenses, it pretty much matched the S&P 500 and nothing else, which we don't recommend. And you looked at it three months ago and you said, here's my value. And you looked at it again after the market closed on Friday, you'd say, here's my value. And there really hasn't been any change. And you say, so nothing happened in the last three months in the market, which is a not unreasonable thing to say. But if you went back and looked at the headlines, you would consider the disaster and catastrophe have been or, upon our heels. Or the conversely, um, the other end of that, the headlines on the day, um, the the optimists come back and they believe that the future is bright. And so you've got these headlines one day of glowing futures and these headlines the next day of imminent doom. And it all averaged out to, yeah, pretty much the same, same, same old, same old. Yeah. Now, since the beginning of the year, and we're approaching the end of the year, obviously, the S&P 500 is up about 21%, nearly 21%. Uh, so is the mid-cap value index, which we follow, uh, CRSP mid-cap value index. So it's a great year. 
we've had wonderful returns so far. And there's really not much to be concerned about. And we'll get into the economics of that. Now, something, several things did change this week. Oh, yeah. Um, 10 year U.S. Treasury note yield slipped lower. Um, it declined about 8% for the week to 1.357. It was a 1.6 a couple of just to what a month uh, at the end of uh, September, it was a 1.6%. Now it's 1.357%, which means it's been sliding down during that period of time. And the headlines during that period of time are full of fear that the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates. Right. So in reaction to the fact that interest rates are going to go up, the interest rates came down, which tells you how rational the markets appear to be on the surface. Actually, there's reason for that, but we can, we can go into that. Oil, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, which is the one we follow because it's a U.S. benchmark. Now, the Brent. North Sea Brent is the global benchmark, but we use WTI. Yeah, we think it West Texas Intermediate. We think it tastes better on our spaghetti, so that's yes, that's the real reason why we choose it. It's a little more sweet than some oils. I, I would hate to have that job. Just as a side note, the one that is tasting test, it. is this sweet crude. Um, yep, yep, that's pretty. Yep, uh, get Joe. He's good at this. Okay, okay, go ahead. So West Texas Intermediate. Uh, so it's down to sixty six point two six. Remember, it was up around eighty dollars for a while. So it's down, it's down 18% in the last month. And there's a good reason for that, though. First, the U.S. and China and Korea and Japan and some other folks decided to release oil from their strategic reserves. Now, they haven't actually done it yet. They just decided to do it. Yes. Agreements are very important. And there was the headlines that came out said there's not enough oil going to be released from the reserves to make any difference. So don't pay any attention to this. But apparently OPEC plus and OPEC plus includes Russia and some other countries that are not part of OPEC uh, that have all got together to uh, create a monopoly in oil and manipulate the oil prices, decided it was a threat. So they decided to raise their monthly pumping rate by 400,000 barrels, which I think is kind of funny. The reason I say that Russia is pretty much at their peak pumping rate now. They can't. Really, they, they don't have enough pipes to get it out. They can't get it in there any faster at this point. They are, they're at pressure capacities. And other countries are pretty much at their maximum production rate right now, which means basically Saudi Arabia and maybe a couple of other countries in that region will increase their rates a lot and make a lot of money, which is the way this works, uh, which is okay. So expect, hopefully, prayerfully gasoline prices to slip lower before too long okay now um and the the other thing well the interest rates are down oil prices are down um the stock market is level and that's well the one other thing we don't normally talk about bitcoin bitcoin dropped 20 percent mostly last night <laughs> that's funny because last night we sent out a newsletter and in the newsletter we made the reference to the fact that uh, there are a series of reports out on uh the, on a, a type of um decentralized finance that is allowing people to take loans against their cryptocurrencies to buy or sell more cryptocurrencies not in the stock and bond world was called margin. So you go get a, a loan and 
there's regulations on how much you can borrow in the stock and bond world because that's a regulated area. Where cryptocurrency, that doesn't exist. You, those regulations aren't there. So there's not really a limit beyond how much you can get approved for on how much you can use it for collateral. There's also a study that came out. Admittedly, the study was conducted in 2019, but I think it's relevant. About seven out of 10 crypto trades across the board in the various cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Dogcoin and so on that was going on at the time. Doge, Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Well, it says D-O-G at the front of it, so I'm just calling it Dogcoin. It has a picture of a dog on popular emblem emblem for it. Actually, there are no real coins there, so those pictures of coins you see aren't real, which we could go into. Um, Seven out of 10 trades in this study were determined to be people buying Bitcoin from themselves. Now, why does that mean? Why would they buy Bitcoin from themselves? Because if they buy at a slightly higher price each time, they don't make or lose any money because it's just a transaction and they're paying themselves to buy Bitcoin from themselves. By raising the prices as they buy Bitcoin from themselves, they manipulate the price upward. And so people see the price going upward and people who previously didn't own the Bitcoins started buying new Bitcoins. Now, that's totally illegal. In the securities markets, the SEC would come down on them with both feet. But since the crypto markets are pretty much unregulated, it's, it's kind of standard procedure. People are doing what's called market churning. And there's apparently, at least at that point, 70% of the of the transactions were market churning, which is people buying a stock, not because they're really buying the stock, but appearing to buy the stock. In this case, it were stock. Yeah, in this case, in this it's case a Bitcoin. Yeah. To drive the price up. And if that's true, history says that the thing is way the heck overpriced. Now, let me, can I throw something else in there about please, this? Please um, do, go ahead. It's really hard to tell whether cryptocurrency is overpriced or underpriced because it doesn't represent anything. It has no intrinsic value. So if something that by itself has no value whatsoever has a price, is it too high or too low? And, and if you're Warren Buffett and Jeff McClure, you say, it was too high at a dollar. <laughs> a dollar per coin was too high. So we'll see how this works out. I really have a feeling, and my feeling may be wrong because I'm old, uh, and I'm old-fashioned in many ways, that this cryptocurrency will not end crypto, crypto trading and crypto values and so on, as they are being done today, crypto coins, will not end pleasantly. But it will end. And when it ends, it will be an extremely unpleasant event. The, your your segue here, if this is the end of the market commentary, it kind of leads to both questions that we have waiting in email and something that you and I have both talked about over the past several weeks about needing to discuss. This is very interesting. How can we tie cryptocurrency in with a a uh, 60-40 or 50-50 bond stock portfolio or what's happening in Turkey to the lira. Well, confidence. Our money or any value of anything is just based on what we all believe. And I know that's weird. It sounds suddenly like we've gotten into a spiritual aspect or something, but it's reality. If if there's five people in, a, in an auction that want to buy the same grand piano, that value is going to go up. And if nobody wants to buy the grand piano at the auction, then the value's 
essentially negative because you have to move it out of the place. And we see that in the market. I mean, last year at the the worst of the panic over the pandemic, we had negative price per barrel for oil. You had to pay people to take the oil off your hands because we ran out of space to store it. It's hard to remember that just you know a year and a half later, but it wasn't that long ago. Uh, the market and its confidence on what we want. You know, we, you just mentioned this on talking about the news about um, the strategic oil reserves of all these major con- countries have agreed to release oil into the market. They haven't done it yet, but the price dropped. Well, wait a minute. If it's truly supply and demand, the supply hasn't changed yet. We just agreed that it would. So what happened there? Confidence, belief. When people are afraid, they're willing to pay more for things or take less for things when they're selling. When people are greedy, they're willing to pay more than they normally would. So this affects currency as well. It also affects how the debt of a nation is treated. So all of this is coming together. In Turkey, they have lowered interest rates multiple times during this period of rising inflation. Well, what does that mean? This sounds like eco, uh, econ babble. Uh, if you raise interest rates in the bank, at the bank, and if you could put a, a money in a CD uh, that, that would pay you 8% right now, Well, a lot of you would consider taking money out of the stock market, which is kind of bumpy and flat and scary, and putting it at a CD. So what does that do? It moves money out of circulation. It takes money out of the economy and puts it into into places where it's not easy to spend, like a CD. If you lower interest rates, then the banks aren't paying you very much and it's easy to borrow money. So why would you leave money sitting in the bank? Why don't you just spend it? So that leads to more spending going on. And at any given time, there's enough money sitting in the bank accounts to cause thousands and thousands of percentages of inflation if everybody liquidated all their bank accounts at the same time and tried to spend it all at once. Uh, Does it really change the value of the currency? No, it changes the belief in the currency. So what's happening with the lira right now is they've lowered the Turkish in, lira. The Turkish lira, yeah, not uh, the Italian lira. Correct. Well, there's, there's not an Italian lira anymore. Well, it's a euro yeah. now. Right. You got it. Uh, but you can say it with an Italian accent if you wish. Lira. Uh, the euro. Uh, that was a really okay. Mario-esque Italian accent. Uh, okay. Boys and girls. Okay. So. The, they've lowered interest rates in a high inflation period, which is the opposite of what everyone agrees on as the right way to do it right now. That if you well, not not everyone. No, obviously the 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 head of state in Turkey, Erdogan, Erdogan, uh, is firmly disagreeing with that and saying right. that one must lower interest rates because more money in the system would cause more investment in the system. And you can hire more people with that. What he's missing is that wages rise with inflation. So you don't actually wind up hiring more people when you get inflation. You wind up paying the same people more money and charging more money for the things that you're selling. So 
his belief is not the belief of everyone. Lowering the interest rates when they did did not cause 20% inflation. I know this is kind of a weird thing. I just said you shouldn't lower interest rates in an inflationary environment, and now they're getting runaway inflation, and they lowered interest rates. It wasn't the act of lowering the interest rates. That affects such a small amount of the money. It's a very small amount of the overall. If you lower interest rates by less than a percentage point, it shouldn't cause the value of all the money to go up 20%. So what happened was that in acting against the confidence of everyone's experience and, and the most grounded wisdom on money, it shook the confidence of the Turkish people in their own economy and in their own currency. So they've been rushing to sell it for dollars as soon as they get paid, which causes the price of the lira to fall, just like trying to sell the piano when there's less people that want to buy it. So the value falling means it takes more of them to buy the same stuff. That's inflation. And when you lower interest rates at the same time, more money is available to be loaned out to make those same purchases. So we have a grand experiment going right now on debt and on inflation. And what's funny is that the same experiment may not be applicable in 100 years when we have a different understanding of what might cause inflation because it comes back to our belief. And the Italian people, uh, the Italian, you got me saying Italians now, the Turkish people no longer have confidence in their currency. And so they're lining up early to go and buy gasoline because they're concerned that the price by the end of the day is going to be higher than it is at the beginning of the day. And by everybody buying it early, it causes the price to go up faster. <laughs> So confidence, this is what happens when there's a run on the bank. When everybody goes to get their money, of course not all the money is sitting in the bank ready to come out as paper. Uh, it, that's, not, that's not reasonable anymore. But if everybody shows up and asks for paper, they're not going to get it, which could cause people to be terrified and everybody to say the bank's no good anymore. Well, modern monetary theory has as a basis something that doesn't apply in Turkey, right. which is that if you're if your economy is big enough and stable enough, like the U.S. economy is, where you're not dependent upon the value of other currencies in your economy, then you can, within limits, and I've read several papers on this now, within limits, you can actually borrow a lot more than you thought you could borrow before and not create undue inflation. And a right. big player in this is the central bank. Now, if the Federal Reserve, for example, if we started, and, and, it's, and that's what their job is right now, if it looked like we are going to get deflation, they start buying bonds on the open market. That puts more money in the system. If it looks like we're going to get inflation, they stop buying bonds and sometimes raise interest rates to pull money out of the system. Uh, I would go with Milton Friedman here. Yeah, Inflation everywhere and always is a function of the quantity of money in circulation, the velocity of the money that's in circulation, and the availability of goods and services. So, for example, and I think this is what we're seeing now, yeah. if there's a shortage of goods and services, goods and services, if there's because of the supply chain issues primarily and labor issues, prices go up. It's supply and demand. It's that simple. So the same amount of money in the economy 
would cause prices to go up. Now, can I one more thing here that I think is important before we move on? Politically, we tend to see this as something the government did, but that's not true. For example, in the United States, yes, we had two big stimulus bills where a lot of money was given away to people under the under uh, President Trump and the Republicans. We had one big stimulus bill under the Democrats. So if you're a Republican, you're saying the Democrats bill did it. And if you're a Democrat, you're saying the Republicans bill did it. Neither is true. And there's, here's why I say that. The Eurozone is currently experiencing the highest inflation they've ever had year over year. And none, as far as I can tell, none of the money that we are, or maybe a tiny amount leaked over, the money that was given by Congress and the two presidents to the people of the United States was actually sent to the Eurozone. So it's going on and it's going on in developing countries. It's going on all over the places. A couple of places it's not going on, and this is really significant. They're not having inflation in Japan. Now, note that Japan now has a government debt that's 250% of its gross domestic product, which is mind-bogglingly huge more than ours is. And they don't have it. They're having trouble with deflation. So the simplistic answers that you may hear on the radio or see people talking about on TV probably are not true. It's a little more complex than that. And that's where the wrap-up of this is. Confidence when it comes to pricing is a big part of this in that if we all agree that something is worth something, that by definition is its value. So when the stock market says this is the price, that is the price we've all agreed on for that moment. When we talk about modern monetary theory, the reality isn't the imminent doom of the right wing, nor is it the panacea of the left wing. It's a reality in that the United States has only had a balanced budget for one year out of the last about 80. That means that we've been in debt, in growing debt during that entire period, and we have not experienced runaway inflation. If this were based on a commodity like gold, we wouldn't have enough of it. We would actually have deflationary tendencies there big ones, because there's not enough gold to back the amount of value that the dollar holds right now. So we would see where the dollar could buy a lot more things and people would be paid a lot less for doing the same amount of work if it were linked to something finite. Modern monetary theory says that if you've got enough confidence behind you, you can borrow as much as you want forever. What it's missing in the extreme is that confidence fades if you continue to do things that everyone agrees aren't reasonable. That's what everyone's agreeing about with a quick price move downward in cryptocurrency with the huge upward jumps in inflation and in one-day periods in Turkey. Uh, it is, it's all related to confidence and what we believe at any given moment. If enough people suddenly change their mind on something uh, or are scared enough to, to change their mind about something, it could be a permanent change. And that's, you know, with the dollar, that's part of the reason why the Federal Reserve, when they speak, they're so freaking boring to listen to. Yes, I love it. Because that's part of the confidence aspect of these people are really, really smart when they work really hard to sound that way to give you confidence in our own system. It's part of the system to give you confidence in it. Anyway, we're about out of time. Do you have something you want to say as a wrap up? Well, I would like to say the same thing we said at the end of the newsletter. 
The United States economy is humming along very, very nicely. The inflation bump is very likely to go away. Uh, wages only went up 0.3% last month, which rather than the 0.5 we've been seeing, which indicates we're not probably in a wage price, price spiral. Uh, hiring seems to be a little easier, which means things are getting better in that area. I think an, an underlying economy is doing great. There's tremendous worry in the, in the media, and bull markets climb the wall of worry. So I don't see any, I've only seen one of the signs that I look for uh, that says this bull market is about over out of about 20 I could see. So we're so far looking at a healthy economy and a healthy market. Good deal. Um, so we're going to say the same thing we say, whether it's a good economy, a bad economy or whatever, make sure your short-term reserves are well-stocked for emergencies, food and and toilet paper on hand so you don't have to panic. Uh, and if you've got that stuff taken care of, make sure that you're planning for the long term. There. Live within your and, means. And cash reserves on hand. Cash reserves on hand. Live within your means. Invest for the future. Be diversified. There you go. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, we actually have voicemail during the weekend and real live people, I know, gasp, uh, that answer the phone uh, during the week's um, locally at 254-947-1111. Or you can reach that line toll free if you have a landline, 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our website, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. You can read our newsletter, sign up for it there, contact us through the contact form. You can listen to radio programs going back lots of years. You can also find those at any of your podcast provider providers. Um, and you can email us directly at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Until next hour, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.
Anyway, we're about out of time for this week. Do you have something you want to say as a wrap-up? Well, I would like to say the same thing we said at the end of the newsletter. The United States economy is humming along very, very nicely. The inflation bump is very likely to go away. Uh, wages only went up 0.3% last month, which rather than the 05 we've been seeing, which indicates we're not probably in a wage price, price spiral. Uh, hiring seems to be a little easier, which means things are getting better in that area. I think an, an underlying economy is doing great. There's tremendous worry in the, in the media, and bull markets climb the wall of worry. So I don't see any, I've only seen one of the signs that I look for uh, that says this bull market is about over out of about 20 I could see. So we're so far looking at a healthy economy and a healthy market. Good deal. Um, so we're going to say the same thing we say, whether it's a good economy, a bad economy or whatever, make sure your short-term reserves are well-stocked for emergencies, food and and toilet paper on hand so you don't have to panic. Uh, and if you've got that stuff taken care of, make sure that you're planning for the long term. There. Live within your and, means. And cash reserves on hand. Cash reserves on hand. Live within your means. Invest for the future. Be diversified. There you go. 